0: tell us how to make it better is partnering with the readiness lab the home for podcasts webinars and training in the field of emergency and disaster services
1: one of the biggest things that i tell people and the biggest mistakes people make is you have an idea for something let's take allergies for example you go and you google it and you see oh there's a company called uh, find my food i don't know whatever it's called right and you go ah oh, it's done been done uh, You know, you tell your your partner and your family, I had this idea, but no, it's been done before. Well, so that's the biggest thing. You know, just because someone else is doing it doesn't mean you can't find an angle that is different or better, or you can improve upon it and all the rest of it. And often the fact that someone is already doing it tells you that there's a market there. Often if nobody's doing it, it's actually the reverse. It's actually not necessarily a good thing because people might have tried to do it and it might have failed.
0: I'm George Siegel, and this is the Tell Us How to Make It Better podcast. Every week, we introduce you to people who are working on real-world problems and providing actual solutions. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me on this week's Tell Us How to Make It Better podcast. Every week, I try to introduce you to somebody who has recognized a problem that exists out there somewhere in the world, and rather than complain about it, they're trying to come up with a solution or a way to make it better. My guest today is multi-potentialite Charles Burns. He's a serial entrepreneur, podcaster, author, and motivational speaker. He's also known for his appearance in front of 7 million people on the UK's version of The Apprentice.
1: Charles, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. 7 million people on The Apprentice. I, I mean, that, that just jumped right out at me. What was that like for you?
1: It's, uh, it's actually quite crazy because I try and explain to people. So, so in the UK, population uh, fluctuate the estimates, but let's say it's 70 million just for ease of numbers. So it's one in 10 people in the UK are watching that show. Uh, it's on every week, it's prime time. It's uh, eight or 9 p.m. on a Wednesday on BBC, which is one of the, the major channels over here. And um, what no one can prepare you for, and they give you a little bit of a kind of heads up when you're filming and, and to media train, they call it, is uh, being recognized all the time, everywhere, by everyone no matter the show in the UK transcends all age demographic, demographic rather, race, religion, everything. It's just a very popular show. And um, when you uh, take out, say, toddlers on that number and say, you know, the older population, you, you you go to like a restaurant where, you know, your average age is between 20 and 50 or whatever, 50, 60 maybe. Um, it's maybe more like one in five or six um, wow. know who you are. And so, you know, that's I suppose people like, Imagine then like you're in a restaurant and people can watch you all the time. Um, You can't eat because you know, people ask ask for photos or ask a question. And you know, the one thing that I learned from being in that spot and and let's call it being recognized rather than famous, even though it's kind of the same thing um, is that if ever you meet someone that you, you, um, you are fond of that you've seen on a podcast or you don't know them, but you know of them through either an author or, or or in your instance, a filmmaker, whatever, then like, make sure when you're speaking to them, you're asking interesting questions because what you don't want to do is lead with the, what I call the, the FAQs, the frequently asked questions. Most people will come and ask you the same question. And, and they don't realize that for me as a, an individual, like, I want engage in conversation. And if all you're asking is the most basic of basic questions in the UK, the question that's asked in that show is, does it really only take 20 minutes to get changed in the morning? And I'm like, is that the most interesting question that you have for me? Um, and that is yeah. basically, you know, what happens.
0: Yeah, but there's a problem with that, too. I used to work in television news. And, and so people around town would know who who I was. If you're having a bad day, or you're in a bad mood and you snap at somebody or you just don't treat them very well for whatever reason. And you're certainly entitled yep. to your bad days. That's their impression of you. So they're going to go around <laughs> saying ah, that guy Charles was an asshole. Yeah. And you yep. might be the nicest guy in the world, but that's all they're going to ever talk about. And they'll tell everybody.
1: Yes. So I was very mindful of that um, and aware of that. So I, I and it's very tiring, actually, I'm sure you're aware, like trying to, um, even if you're not in the best space and someone comes up to you and, and you know, I, I don't recall, and not I'm no martyr, but I don't remember once ever turning one down in a, in a conversation, um, even if it wasn't the right space, I would always try and do my best. Um, and also I, I I would get a lot of tweets or, or social media from, from generally younger people asking for a, or even parents sometimes can you send a happy birthday wish to this one and that one and the other one um and I always obliged because my view is like if the shoe is under the foot I would love the person that I want to do that to do the same thing so I always um made made it my uh point to to, to, to do the best I could I suppose in that in that in that way
0: yeah I, I remember to this day all the celebrities that were uh that were rude to me I have my hit list of celebrities that that people that weren't yeah. nice how far did you make okay. it on the show
1: so the show runs for 12 weeks. Um, well, 12 weeks in TV time. Um, and I made it through to eight weeks. So that's like that, three quarters or something. Or not yeah, no, no.
0: Did yeah.
1: you ever see the Donald Trump version of that show when it was on
0: here? You, did you ever see any of that? Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, I mean, if you watch the two shows, um, there are, uh, it's, it's quite similar. So, so our version of Donald Trump is a guy called um, Lord Alan and Sugar. Um, he, he's also a billionaire, he's also very opinionated, um, he and Donald Trump, um, if you look back in Twitter still can see Donald Trump Twitter they have spats all the time because Donald Trump like kind of owns the show kind of not, so he's like I own you Alan Sugar and like you know what Donald Trump likes <laughs> so yeah, so, yeah. We, can, we can move on from that, okay so getting back to the, re- the
0: reason I had you on here, I just get, get off on this other thing because I, I find it so fascinating to, uh, to, to know I'm in the presence of a true celebrity which, um, which makes this so much more fun. Um, What is the problem or issue that you identified that you're working on right now?
1: Sure. So um, I think it was pretty much three years ago, next week, or or in the next few weeks, um, I had been struggling um, with my dietary, um, I didn't know this was the point, but with stomach issues, go with that, and I went to see a gastroenterologist and a few different ones. And eventually, because of my ethnicity, I'm Jewish, um, it's quite common because of the small gene pool that uh, lactose intolerance is a um, pretty common thing. And not to bore you the detail, which is pretty uh, straightforward, lactose intolerance is basically where um, a person does not have the required level of lactase, which is the enzyme, to digest lactose in their system and um being of a, a like a an ethnic minority i suppose in some respects um what tends to happen is um the gene pools um obviously work with the way they work but with lactase um jewish people tend to have less of it anyway so say there's a threshold bar we'll have like a little bit above the threshold and if you'd say get a common cold or anything you can just lose the amount of lactase you need and you can't get it back there are pills you can take but, but naturally you can't ever get that back so that's that was one thing and then I also figured out a bit later kind of by tinkering that gluten as well was also something that I'm not a celiac and a celiac is somewhere. It's actually a genuine um, illness because the body attacks itself. For me, it's just an uncomfortable, um, you know, point place to be basically with gluten mm-hmm. as well. And so I, I'm lining up a food court, nothing special whatsoever. I'm in line and there's a Chinese restaurant, a food court. And I get to the front and uh, this is this grid. And I've never seen one before because uh, why would I? So I look at this grid and, and across, you know, there's the, the dishes there and then there's the different allergies and there are 14 major allergens that in the European Union, of which the UK is still involved from a legal perspective and will be uh, going forward in this space, um, every restaurant has to report upon every single dish within this um, 14 allergens. So I'm looking, I'm scanning it and, and I can't a sense of it and I, I speak to the server, they've got no idea and I end up eating something and whatnot. And I go up to my table and I'm like, me being me, I'm like, this is really bad. Like, surely this is the first time I've ever really experienced this, but surely glucose intolerance is not a new thing. Lactose intolerance is a new thing or any dietary parameter is not a new thing. Everyone has their own, even if it's just, I don't want to eat meat today or want to eat meat today, whatever it is. So I was like, okay, there must be out there something in the and technology. The reason I would looking in the technology space is because it has a broader, of course, broader base, helps more people and has a global reach. So I looked around the app stores and sure enough, there was nothing out there. Um, and I I spent a day and I, I really went deep and I, I looked at what the business plan could be. And you know, I, I was in a really creative space then because I, I, I struggled on something that I thought was fantastic. Um, so I had the logo down and I had all, all these things down within a very, very short space of time. And I sent it or a post about it, I'm not quite sure which, to a friend of mine who lives in the States. And he happens to have loads of allergies and and has them for years nuts and fish and all the rest of it before it was popular you know (laughs) he was one of the (laughs) originals and um he's like did you come up with this because this is sensational i'm like well i mean i did yeah i mean i think it's a great idea too but like you know he was he was raving about it and honestly ever since um and i'm not saying this in an arrogant way or anything like that but whenever i meet someone i explain them what i'm working on um it's so so self-explanatory People understand the need, even if you're not in that environment yourself where you need the, uh, the app that I'm going to talk to in a second. Um, everyone gets it and understands why it has a, a global impact for good.
0: Sure. As soon as I heard about it from you, I was like, I was all over it because I, I have much the, the same dietary uh, challenges that you do. In fact, I went to a Chinese restaurant down the street from here. The first day I went in, I, I told them what, what I was allergic to and they said, oh, we have a dish for you. And I ate there for two years. And one day I called to order and they go, we don't make anything gluten free here. Because the guy was so stupid at the counter. He didn't even know what I was talking about. So I was eating that. And I was always wondering why I didn't feel great after eating food over there. So most restaurants don't even know they are not. And they could kill somebody. Fortunately, I didn't have a deathly allergy. But their lack of um, putting the right person at the front desk could could kill you.
1: It's, uh, it's really frightening. And I say, for me, I'm fortunate that the, my personal dietary requirements are can be managed, shall we say. Um, I can eat tiny amounts here and there, but I, I tend to not. Um, but of course, there are people out there where you have an actual milk allergy, or as you mentioned, a celiac with a gluten allergy, where actually the body starts to attack itself, uh, blood vessels constrict, you stop to, stop to breathe. That's where anaphylactic shocks come in. If People have heard about those things, and where EpiPens come in and adrenaline to kind of loosen up the air, airwaves. But yes, it's very, very serious. I mean, in your country, in the U.S., um, from what I understand, there are 32 or so million people registered with food allergies. So that's maybe one in 10, something of this nature. But what I say to people is like, it's not just the 32 million in the U.S. that affects it's all the family, it's all the friends, it's the colleagues, the partners and all who are around them, because you're not going to go to a restaurant that has no gluten-free offering, or I hope not, um, with someone that is in your party, you know, of two four five six, whatever the case may be so it really is a bigger and wider issue than just the the which is a large number of people that have the direct suffering from it so it's so about to what the actual solution was um i'm a very um i like to i like i have this this thought process that believe it or not my uh, driving instructor gave me this key ring when i passed my test and it said simplicity is genius and i try and live buy that as much as possible because i think it's the a really great way to live and so whenever i come up with a kind of problem in, in a business in my life i'm like right what's the the simplest solution or, or if i'm trying to do a business deal i'll try i'll call it the low-hanging fruit it's the same thing in essence um so i was looked at the, the problem and i thought well really it requires an app you want an app on your phone whether it's a, a, a google android phone or an apple iphone um, you want to be able to input your dietary preferences at the forefront, which you can always alter at any time. You want to see restaurants nearby where you are. And then if you go into a different country, you'll be able to search for those restaurants as well. And then crucially, you want to be able to go into the restaurant via the app and see a customized menu of only the dishes that are applicable and you can eat. Everything else is just noise and it's just, you know, more information than you need. And once you're on with that information, say it's five or 10 dishes, have a 50 dish or 100 dish um, menu. All of a sudden, if you do have a serious allergy, of course, then you can call up and say, hey, I believe the you do a pad tile that's gluten free. Is that actually suitable for a celiac? Because it's very different. Of course, the, the you know, how the kitchen prepare food, et cetera, is gluten free doesn't mean necessarily right for a celiac, for example but you're armed with information and you have a direct conversation that lasts a few minutes versus a a back and forth of the whole menu, could take a long time, who you're speaking with, all the rest of it. And similarly, if you're at the actual restaurant itself, you're just asking about a couple of dishes and it's a very specific yes or no question, rather than all this gray area where people become uncomfortable, you're in a business meeting on a date, you're spending half an hour. I mean, I I was in a restaurant the other night and it was in in Manchester where I'm based in the United Kingdom. Uh, I went out with about eight people, I didn't know many of them, a few of them I did. And I asked for, I said, I'm gluten-free and I'm lactose-free. Now that the, this is also the problem in a lot of these restaurants, the nicer restaurants generally, the lighting's poor. So you can't really yeah. see what you're looking at, right? So I uh, the British menu, really huge menu, This the, the actual menu, then they bring me another menu the same size, which is gluten free. Then they bring me another menu the same size, which is lactose free. And then the guy goes, Oh, and you're also going to need to cross reference this against this um, this guide we've got because, you know, if it's gluten, I'm like, I'm, I, I was sat there and I genuinely thought to myself, forgetting my app, I'm like, I, I've lost my appetite. I have no interest in, in spending 30 minutes trying to figure out what, what I can and can't eat. This is absolutely absurd. You'd and have been my, better off uh, bringing a sandwich or something. Right. Or, or, or just not eating. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so in, in in my world, the alternative would be: I've already got an idea for the restaurant, or if I don't, I get in the restaurant. I've got my app. I know where I'm where I'm eating. Of course, I put in the restaurant name, and all of a sudden, I see three or five dishes. Fine, perfect. Mister Waiter, can I have the chicken tikka masala? Make sure it's this and that another, other. Can you check the kitchen? No problem. So I'll come back and done. It's a two minute conversation, and it just smooths no, everything it. out. Yeah, I you know, love the idea. I love the waitering team more comfortable. It takes the owners off them a little bit. The um, the back of house more comfortable. The individuals more comfortable, and so everyone around is winning. Um, and and for me again, with every every solution I come up with in any walk of life, that has to, everyone has to win. You know, I don't believe in this, this this capitalist society where like you know for one to win, someone's got to lose. Like I don't believe that's necessarily true. Um, and so yeah, I'm I'm always looking for kind of maybe altruistic of me. I don't know, but you know why should why should you create a solution that only works for one side of um, of an equation? If you can create a solution that works in multiple sides, you'll do better, I think.
0: So, so tell me how the us dietary challenged win. How do you gather all that information? Because when I go on Yelp, if I go on a restaurant's menu online, if I just Google for places like that, they either they don't have everything that they say they have online, they've gone out of business. They, yeah. you know, restaurants tend to come and go pretty quickly. How do you keep something like that fresh
1: and accurate? Yeah, absolutely. So, so that, that's a challenge. Um, it's similar to the challenge that the likes of OpenTable have, that in the UK we have Deliveroo, but you'll have the same with um, Postmates or Uber Eats, those sorts of companies. And so the, 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 the truth of the matter is, to create something of real value like this, which has a global appeal, takes time. And it's small building blocks. And there's no, in terms of getting it into the hands of the right restaurants, there's no solution um, other than going in and speaking to those restaurants and getting in relation with the restaurants. You know, this notion that you can, that the tech term would be scrape the data. In other words, you just put a robot onto the website and you take down the allergen data, et cetera. You can probably do that for the the chains, McDonald's and KFC, where it's it's pretty standardized. But most of the places people are wanting to eat the independents they don't have teams that, that do allergens. They don't have the information on the website. Most of the team in, this, in the restaurant don't even know. So that is the, the big challenge that we're grappling with. However, once you unlock that, you start to become a very viable business financially. Um, and, and I guess the way you, you go about that is you start in, in, in small pockets. So you start in one area, you get a bunch of restaurants in the area, you market then to people who would go to those restaurants in those areas. And then it snowballs and snowballs. And you build teams around that. And, and you start to kind of um, expand um, internationally. So it will take time. But look, you know, it's very cliche. But, you know, I'm all about like planting little seeds. And eventually you get an, an orchard that's, you know, with ripe fruit. If it was uh, if it was slapdash and done quickly, um, it would have been done already. And it wouldn't be so um, appealing to me, I suppose.
0: So where are you at in the process? I mean, you know, I, I wish you had this thing tomorrow. Because we've gone yeah. out to dinner the last couple of nights, and I've been frustrated by having to ask so many questions and having to yeah. see they bring out that nasty little gluten-free menu, and, and then you have to figure out, well, do they mean gluten-free or do they mean dairy-free? Do they mean vegan? Do they yep. mean all yeah. the different things? So, so where are you yeah. at?
1: So, so we had some great momentum when I first started the business, um, which was 2019 through 2020. Of course, then the pandemic hit, which is the world's worst time to start an app like this possible, um, I think, in the history of mankind, near enough. Um, So that was unfortunate. Um, And then restaurants reopened um, in, I think, June, July of last year properly. But even then, they're all in kind of like fight or flight mode, trying to survive, uh, etc. So we kind of did a few bits. We've got some restaurants in the UK, probably about 100 restaurants, um, nothing major, a few thousand uh, users right now but this year is where we're really going to kind of um push the business so we're actually looking for um investments so if anyone watching and listening is interested or knows people that are then that would be really great to kind of have those conversations um and we are looking to to grow uh, internationally so it may all be that we start it in, in in the states because the environment's better there potentially it may all be that we started here but the way we're going to start the business is we'll start with these kind of small pockets to say in different areas um, and kind of neighborhoods almost. And then, you know, grow expenses from there. Um, but what's great with the business is that once users start to go or diners rather start to understand that, wow, this is so useful to me, um, there'll be a push and pull. So there'll be, they'll go into a restaurant and say, Hey, why aren't you on this app? That helps bring us obviously business and vice versa. So whenever, when someone down to into a restaurant for the first time, And they ask, oh, do you have um, a gluten-free menu or do you have any food that's available for a nut allergy? They'll go, hey, download this allergy app, all the information on there. So, you know, it will start to snowball um, and there'll be a point in time, like a tipping point for the business in the next kind of six to 12 months where it'll start to take off.
0: Is the app going to be free to the consumer or is it going to be one of those we have to pay for in the app store?
1: No, I I firmly believe that it should be free to consumer. Um, so it's it's currently available in, in the Apple App Store and Android App Store. So please feel free to download it, and, and um, you'll find me um, on social media, etc. And my email is founder f o u n d r allergy, which is a d l e r g i dot uk. I'm sure you'll pop it in the show notes. So if you've got any questions, or you think it should be in your city, or your restaurant you've been to, they think could, could be uh, potentially good for um all is for, for anything like that. Even if it's just you don't like it because of this, this, this. Um, always interested. Um, but in terms of, uh, yeah, it's free to the consumer um, and the restaurant side is where we'll be raising our revenues from, um, plus some advertising models, um, plus the data as well that we, that we get, et cetera. So um, yeah, the consumer will always be, be free to use.
0: Now, a lot of restaurants, especially the smaller ones that I've been in, because I used to, when I was doing more video production, you know, I would try to get them to do marketing videos and everything, they tended not to wanna to spend money. And they were very particular about what they spent their money on. So what kind of obstacles do you run into when you try to get money out of these guys?
1: So, so I alluded to it before. I think one of the biggest challenges is that um, they think they've either got it covered, which nine times out of 10, as you know, and I know that they don't, because the status quo is so poor. I mean, to give you an idea how bad the status quo is, I mean, in the UK, I think it's actually better than the US because of this legal requirement to have a, um, the information of these allergens, but on hand, how they um, actually, you know, give that across, convey it to the diner, is an open interpretation. Most people do use these grid systems, like a matrix almost. Um, so that's, that's, that's pretty good um, compared to a lot of other countries. But I mean, just for, for example, we had a, a review from a diner who downloaded the app and paraphrasing here, but she basically said that the fact that someone had taken the time and thought to solve this problem had made a cry because she can now go out with the kids to eat. I like to have that effect as a as an entrepreneur um, at the very early stage of your business. Like tells you that you're onto the right track here. And of course, if you can you can tie that in financially. Then of course, it becomes more more lucrative. So, yes, we are a profit for profit business. Um, but there is a, a huge social impact that we will have with this uh with this app.
0: Yeah, you probably already thought about getting some big corporate sponsors for it, too, that probably um, have, have an interest in that kind of thing. What's the name of the app? What's it called if we go to the App Store? It's called
1: Allergy. So it's spelled A or Alpha, Lima, Lima, Echo, Romeo, Golf, Indigo. So Allergy with a, with an I rather than a Y. Um, and you should be able to find it in the App Store. And I say, please let me know um, what you think. And you know, we, just so people understand, we are in... High- high level communications with some of the biggest um, multinational food chains globally. We're all pretty interested. So with with, um, with technology businesses like, like allergy is, um, it just takes a bit of time to kind of, you know, one restaurant to fall in with another. And before, you know, it, as I said to you before, there's like snowball effect where all of a sudden people are coming to you um, from the restaurant side of stuff. But yeah, our biggest challenge remains and I alluded to before is to the restaurant that it's not just the, the one or two celiacs that they see coming in the restaurant, which is more and more common now, by the way, which I'm sure you're aware of. But as I said to you before, it's all the other benefits. So one benefit, fringe benefit being, if they provide this service, what does that say about the restaurant? Well, it says they care about their consumers. They care about the customer. Sure. Even if that customer doesn't actually have any dietary requirements, the fact that they've gone to the to the extent of, of making something useful if you're, you're not uh, that way inclined, one, you're going to think, wow, this restaurant really care about what they're putting in their food, which is a great thing. And two, you're probably going to recommend it to your friend who's the vegan, who's the, got nut allergy or all the rest of it. So from a marketing point of view, it's phenomenal. It's free marketing for them because you're going to go, a recommendation from a, for a peer-to-peer is obviously the most lucrative one possible. Um, so and that's, that's very useful as well. Um, and of course, as I mentioned before, the fact that if you are have a, a dietary requirement, chances are you're probably not eating by yourself. You're going to be the influencer that brings in lots more people into the, the table that you sat at. So um, it's basically just trying to educate the restaurant. As I say, just timing has been quite poor because restaurants have been this fight or flight mode. That's in the UK starting to turn around now. Uh, I mean, I was trying to book a table last weekend, for example, and it was almost impossible. And It, it wasn't possible, actually. Um, and I've got a reasonable clout in Manchester Light. Like, it so thinks I couldn't do anything about it. So. Um, yeah i think people are now dining out more and i think um there's a there's a part of the point there's an appetite now for what we're doing more so um and what's great is i, I speak to people like yourself or i speak to different people and uh, the enthusiasm for what we're doing is not dwindled whatsoever um, over the period of time so uh yeah really exciting times
0: oh yeah no I, I i would be all over it now i you totally lost me when you spelled allergy the the, oh. the examples
1: you gave of the letters they're not how <laughs> you use them no <laughs> ah okay i've never heard was, that before i thought it was the internet that's the international um phonetics um but you do you do different with you do you i would have said um, l as in
0: larry what did you say l is in what, Le- what? Le- lima lima oh okay yeah. I, was, I was
1: going hmm. yeah. okay kind of kind of kind of uh, confused me so it's so it's a l l e r g i there the you spelling. go yeah no i, I definitely <laughs> got that
0: the name's not that tough um so uh, Interestingly, when I go to a lot of places, like there's a vegan place right down the street from my house, but vegan does not mean gluten-free. And there's so many variables that have to be sorted through. I would think that would be a huge thing for a restaurant to be able to to sort that out so they don't have to explain it to everybody. If if you could just look on that app, even if you go to – there's a place um, that I used to go to in Texas, BJ's Restaurant. Mm -hmm. And they would have that grid like you were talking about where they would list all the things in different – You know,
1: you have to be a scientist to be able to figure out what's in that food. It it, it takes the fun out of eating. It's ridiculous. And of course, with the business that we're we're looking into, going into rather, um, it's not just uh, food allergies and dietary requirements. You're talking about anyone else that's got any, uh, you know, particular uh, food they need to either avoid or they need to be aware of. So whether it's a diabetic, whether it's someone that's um, calorie counting, um I'm Adam infinitum. You know, there's there's so many. What I say to people is, it's like even if you don't think you have dietary requirements, you'll have preferences, right? You'll have a preference for a type of food, or you have a preference for a type of dish. Um, and and also I was thinking, right now, if I said to you, you're in what about where are you based, George? Right now, Tampa, Florida. Tampa. So if I if I say to you, like, where is the best lasagna in Tampa, Florida? You'll have an opinion, as will everyone else. But there's no real way to quantify that right now. There's no real way to go, oh, like, that's actually the best lasagna and whatever, whatever. So I think there's um, there's so much in the food space that's not being done. Um, I think it's very stale. That's another, in the pun, but I think a lot of it's very stale. Um, you know, open table has been obviously an innovation of, for booking restaurants. And, of course, the um, proliferation of the food delivery apps has been a big thing. Uh, and now the new thing in the UK is um, – grocery delivery apps in like 10 minutes or eight minutes or seven minutes like everyone they, they're throwing billions at, at, at this thing which isn't really a problem um, what we're do what we're solving is is a genuine problem I wouldn't be involved with it for the period of time that I have been and I mean on our board we have the co-founder of Starbucks we have um, the UK's leading professor in pediatric allergy we have some amazing data experts we have marketing experts we have the original sales director of open table so you know, these people do not get involved with businesses, if there's not potential here. So um, yeah, I guess watch this space, pardon the pun. But I mean, it's going to be a really interesting year for us, for sure.
0: You know, I was at our temple for an event one night, and they had called and said, Does anybody have any dietary issues? So they had a gluten free pizza for for me. And I, I went up to the woman and I said, Thank you for having some food for my people. And she goes, the Jewish people. And I said, No, the gluten free people. Because nobody ever worried about people. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: a it, real minority.
0: Yeah, it is. And you feel like such a leper when you, you know, you're sitting there with six or seven people and you're asking, does it have this? Does it have that? And everybody's yeah, kind of looking horrible. at you like, wow, you're fun to dine with.
1: Yeah, it's horrible. For, it, this is what I'll try and say to people. Like, it's horrible for the person eating. It's horrible for the server. It's horrible for everyone else in the, in, in, on the table. It's horrible for the chef. It's all around, no one's having a good time during this experience. So it's, it's really ripe for some innovation, some, um, something like, 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 like what we're doing. One layer I, I didn't mention, sorry, is when you um, download the app and you see restaurants nearby and you go into the, the restaurant, um, individual's page, and you're seeing that um, the, the curated menu, the personalized menu for, for yourself, you can then click one level deeper into the dish and see which allergens are in the dish, you can see which diets it pertains to, um, and that'll get more and more rich as time goes on. So I think things like photos will come in there. I think reviews of the dishes will come in there. Um, and I really want Allergy to be a, a central space for every time you go out, you go straight to there, and then then you go from there within the app. You can book to open table. You can buy your, you can order your food through Uber Eats or whatever the case may be. But you're using Allergy as, as the focal point to um, to decide what to eat and where to eat.
0: Yeah, no, it sounds great. I, and also a note to all dessert places. When, when you think you're taking care of the gluten-free people, stop shoving macaroons down our throat. That seems to be the only thing that a lot of these places have. And I said, where did you do a survey to find out we all like macaroons? How about <laughs> throwing in a chocolate chip cookie every now and then or something? Yeah, they, they don't care.
1: And, and, and the, tr- the truth is, um, the, you know, I say I'm gluten lactose free So particularly with desserts, it is... Uh, is is a challenge but um the girl I'm dating right now is a good example like she made some uh brownies the other night and they were with sweet potato I I couldn't tell the exact recipe I don't know but it was like sweet potato uh coconut flour or something if that's even a thing or all all these things taste delicious you would never know so it's definitely possible to do it takes a bit more thought without a doubt It tends to be healthier. Let's be honest, like gluten free and lactose free, as as, if it was a rule. You're removing a lot of fried food. You're removing a lot of milk, which we know is obviously is not really great for us if we look into it properly. Um, But again, people this confused where just because you're gluten lactose free doesn't mean you're vegan, and vice versa. I'm doing this all convoluted thing where it's like they're over. As I say, like I see a lot of overcomplication. It's really quite simple. As I say, you know, I just wanted to know for my particular diet, what can I eat? that's it. That's it. <laughs> I don't want anything else. I don't, I don't have to You say, you know, study some guides, spend 10 minutes, like really awkwardly, um, and then order like some French fries because that's all there is. I want to it, you, know? you know,
0: the one other side of that though, is a lot of times some of the ingredients they have to put in to make something gluten-free or, or vegan. It, it, they put some scary stuff in there, like palm mm. oil and, yeah. and uh, a lot of potato starch, a lot of things that you go, "Ah, I don't really want to eat that either. So the other side is, will people want to eat it if they really knew what was in it, even though it didn't have gluten?
1: Yeah, it's very true. And it's interesting on that point because in the UK, come uh, April of of this year, 2022, there's a new law coming in where any restaurant with above 250 staff, so that basically means um, the chains, that basically means um, the restaurant groups, which are quite a lot. Of independent restaurants in the UK that, that, that control a lot of the higher class restaurants, maybe you want to call them that, will have to have calorie information on the menu. And I, I experienced this more so when I was in the, in the States just now with my family on vacation, and it does sway you a bit, even if you're not necessarily like looking to, you know, get a healthier option. When you're seeing a dish is two and a half thousand calories, or a salad's got 1,200 calories, you do start to ask a question. You're like, why? Um, and, I, and I think in the UK, particularly what's going to happen with this law, it will still trickle down at some point to the independent restaurants. But I think what's going to happen is people will start to go, why has that curry got 1500 calories? And then the restaurant will start to sell less of it. And I think the, the incentive then with the restaurant is how can we make this healthier? Now, calories is only one, one factor. Granted, there's lots of other things going on. But um, I think it will be a pain in the backside for the restaurant trade to begin with but I think it wouldn't be a good thing. The more information we have of what's going on food and why, um, the better. I mean, I was once showing a friend of mine, I was, uh, I was plant-based for a while and I bought a plant-based wrap from uh, a supermarket and it's like, yeah, but what's actually in it? And I hadn't really thought about it because I, at that point, wasn't so familiar with the food space and much more now. And I thought, well, plant-based must be healthy. Sounds healthy. Um, yeah. So I turned the packet around when he's talking to me and I was horrified. There were the, the basic rule of thumb is if you can't pronounce and don't know what that ingredient is, it's probably not good for you. Like yeah. that's the general rule. I would. Say. You know, if it's not something you you come across in primary school or something, and you need a degree in uh, chemical engineering from from Harvard, then probably not the best thing. And I was I was shocked. I couldn't believe how many ingredients there were. So um, with everything, you've got to be super careful. I mean, you look at the the. The big trend at the moment or has been in the past year or two has been um, the uh, Beyond Meat burgers and uh, all of the brands that exist out there. Um, but actually, look, what's in those? Um, yeah, I w- I'd be careful. You know? so, yeah, they shove a lot I'm of soy in there behind. and,
0: and, and yeah. things that I wouldn't necessarily eat. You know, there's a, a chain here. I, I don't know if you have it over there. P.F. Chang's.
1: I know of it, but it's not over here.
0: Yeah, once they started putting ingredients and calories on their menu, I stopped eating there because just broccoli with brown sauce was like fifteen hundred calories. It was a ton of sodium it's in broccoli. it. And it was like, okay, I can't eat this. Imagine, imagine everything else I'm getting at this table. I'm probably getting five thousand calories. And
1: yeah, it's it's really interesting. So I've been on my myself like a personal weight loss journey in the past seven months. I've shifted about forty five pounds, which is uh twenty kilograms for people watching in that that language or over three stone for people watching that language um so it, it's quite a lot of weight and the, the thing that i've the, the three things that i tell because i get asked all the time like, how you done it or what you're doing whatever of course going to the gym four or five times a week does help no question um of course um what people don't realize is how sedimentary our lives are right so um just getting two 30 minute walks one in the morning one in the evening one is one is your mental health and, and gets you out there into the music or a podcast or even just go in nature, whatever you want to do. It uh, breaks your day lovely. And that's your 10,000 steps, which I think is a good barometer to, to start with. And then the, the third thing which is this conversation is just eating more consciously. Like I, I've been dating this girl and I've been out in the past two or three weeks and quite an awful lot. Went to a restaurant last night that was Chinese, for example. But it's, it's just being smart about the portion size that you're eating, smart about like what you're eating, um, and, and I think you know you just feel so much better when you eat good quality food that um, is is cooked properly. It's not full of all the um, all the nasties. Um, and as I say, something I'm hoping my app one of the ambitions is to kind of really to open the lid and show people like, look, like this is what's in your food. This is what it's doing. So there's some further. Um, potential with the app I think going forwards right now the low-hanging fruit is to help people with dietary requirements but I think longer term um, to be able to help people that says hey like you know this, in this dish there is this 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 that really you might want to avoid or or whatever the case would be so there's some really interesting mileage with it for sure
0: well on behalf
1: of myself I
0: wish you'd hurry up and get this thing done <laughs> uh, it would make it easier for me to get out I wish I uh, too And eat uh eat more often. So what advice would you have for any entrepreneurs out there that I mean, obviously this idea has taken you some time. They don't just all of a sudden go to market. What would you tell somebody who is a is a serial entrepreneur, somebody who just wants to get started and do something? What would you encourage them to do?
1: Yeah. Um so the the simplest thing is is um in in everything you're doing in in your day-to-day life, there's going to be things that are frustrations. Things that, that are annoying to you, I suppose. That's the best way of putting it. Um, and that might be something as simple as you wake up and you, you brush your teeth and you don't have the toothpaste, or the deodorant doesn't work so well, the yellow stains on your arms, or, or whatever whatever the case may be. It could be a simple of simple things. Um and it's just going, okay, like why is that annoying to me? Is there a solution out there that's good enough? Yes or no? And then are other people having this problem? They're, they're the kind of the three things to start with. One of the biggest things that I tell people and the biggest mistakes people make is you have an idea for something. Let's take allergies, for example. You go and you Google it and you see, oh, there's a company called uh, Find My Food. I don't know, whatever it's called, right? And you go, ah, oh, it's done. It's been done. Uh, you, know, you tell your, your, your partner and your family, I had this idea, but ugh, no, it's been done before. Well, so... That's the biggest thing, you know, just because someone else is doing it doesn't mean you can't find an angle that is different or better, or you can improve upon it and all the rest of it. And often the fact that someone is already doing it tells you that there's a market there. Often if nobody's doing it, it's actually the reverse. It's actually not necessarily a good thing because people might have tried to do it and it might have failed. But that also could be a positive. It's just all about interpretation and and looking at things positively um, and trying to see how you can have uh, a, a benefit to, to people. And I think the other underlying factor here is something that I'm always telling people about. I have a, a weekly uh, like vlog that I do called Burning Issues, which is on my YouTube channel, where I, I, for four to 10 minutes, I'll just talk about something that I think is relevant and hopefully inspiring and helps people. And one of the big things I talk about is like a sense of purpose. And with that purpose is a sense of serving others. So your idea, whatever your business idea is, if we're going down that road, has to serve other people. It cannot simply be, I want to be a millionaire by 30 and on any means necessary. You might get there, good for you. But that's, I'm not really interested in that. Whatever you're doing has to serve people. I just not have to be so altruistic. So, for example, I'm also active in the luxury watch business, right? Well, you know, someone doesn't need a luxury watch, but I'm still serving them. I'm still helping their process. and making sure they don't get ripped off. I'm making sure they, they get served properly with... Um, trust and, uh, and, and aftercare sales and all the rest of it. It's still a service element there. So I think, yeah, whatever you do, there has to be a service to a greater purpose than just your own monetary gain. There's nothing wrong with monetary gain, but I don't believe it should be the, uh, the barometer by which you measure an idea, is it success or not?
0: Great advice. So what would you, once again, give people the way to get in touch with you and, and how they can find you?
1: Certainly. So um, I'm active on on pretty much all social media. The best social media for me is is LinkedIn. Um, And I think it's just Charles O in the letter O for Oliver Burns. Um, But if you type in my name, you should be able to find me pretty easily. There's one, one burning desire, and that's the name of my podcast, actually, I'll come to a second, that I have in this life. It's very egotistical, but it is what it is. When you Google my name right now, particularly in the States, I don't come up first. The guy that comes up first is a cartoonist, he's very famous, and it really irritates me. So that's, uh, that's, that's, something, that's something that I'm aiming to, 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 to do. But if you'd probably if you type my name, Charles Burns and The Apprentice, maybe you'll come up on LinkedIn or, or Manchester or something like that. Uh, so LinkedIn is one, um, of course, like Instagram could be or Twitter, but I'd say LinkedIn is, is the preference. And then my email is always open, which is founder, as in a founder of a company, at, and then allergy, which I've spelled dot uk, And welcome to, to email me or whatever. Um, and then finally is, is, is on YouTube where I have the Burning Desire Show, which uh, George has been interviewed for. That's how we've come across each other. So that'll be a fun watch, hopefully, for you guys to see, um, where I bring on people who are passionate about all different, um, you know, endeavours in life. Uh, and then on top of that, I do this, as I mentioned before, this kind of weekly vlog called Burning Issues where I'll talk about anything from about how, how to, you know, serve people or life, life mission or it could be the last one I did, I think, was do with uh, momentum. The fact that, you know, how you generate momentum and you keep it going and, and all those sort of things. Um, and then the, the last thing I'm doing right now, which is public, is on LinkedIn I have um, a book review that I do kind of biweekly. Um, and just whatever I'm reading, I try and, um, help people with the key learnings and takeaways that I found in the book. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's going pretty well actually. So yeah, quite a few things going on.
0: Awesome. Well, I'll put all these contacts for you in the show notes. So people know how to get a hold of you and, uh, good luck with the app. Like I say, I'm going to, I'm going to check it out, but I, I, I wish it was here now and, and I'm looking forward to, to getting it soon. I'm rooting for you.
1: I'm working on it, Josh. Thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate the opportunity to share my story. Thank you
0: so much for listening to today's Tell Us How to Make a Better Podcast. If you enjoyed what you were listening to, please feel free to leave a review and share the link for the program with your friends so they can become listeners too. And if you have any suggestions for future shows or comments about anything that you've seen, there's a contact form on our website and I would always welcome hearing from you. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.